Beloved Church of God, allow me from the face of our pastor, Brother Arkady, and Sister Tamara that are no longer here, that are not here today, but desired to be here and to share this sorrow with the family. And personally for my family, I want to pass along to all friends, relatives, dear ones, our saints, a deep condolences. We believe that the Lord has comforted us from this very place with the might of His Word and with the Holy Spirit. And today, He will do this again. And this place is going to be a place upon which we will affirm the triumph of life over death. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, selfishness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. I will read a place out of Holy Scripture. This is the letter of Mark, chapter 9, from, 30, from verse 33. To 37. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be the last of all and servant of all. Then he took a child and set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him into his arms, he said to them, Who receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And this short word I called, Who would like to be first? Jesus Christ turned to his disciples and I wanted to pay our attention, focus our attention on this, that he did not distinguish this desire to be a firstborn before God. He even had rewarded the child. He redirected this action of faith in the disciples. He redirected it into a certain direction. What are we talking about here? That while a child, in the age of a child, the program of death in him, which is called the old man, and which acts as the law of sin and death, 
in the essence of a person. It is found in a state in which it is asleep. But then as a person grows, and when he comes to maturity, the life is made up in such a way that it begins to turn on this program, and it begins to be awakened, and it begins to move. And the older a person gets, as a rule, he becomes more sinful, more distorted. And, you know, even even Christians who call themselves so, when they begin and when they are born of God and when they begin to serve God, sometimes their whole life disappears in order to return to some kind of beginning. But, you know, oftentimes people have not enough of life. Sometimes they die having resentment, that which a child does not have. And sometimes they have a negative experience and a memory. And this makes them unfriendly to others. Sometimes this kind of a person begins to be uh, annoyed and so forth. And in him, works of the flesh then are evident and they are known and I won't list them all. But our Lord, as you know, they're like drops of heaven. He brings to our hearts where the essence of everything is, where we must turn to. I wanted to read specifically this place of scripture at the beginning, given the reason of our attendance here today and considering the age of our brother, our dear brother, Davian, considering that this person behaved like a man of faith and we had heard about this, he had trusted. He trusted, and a child has this trust. And Jesus Christ said that if you do not pray and you are not like this little child, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. He had a trust. And we know that this was trust to his parents. Uh, an astonishing trust. I remember when Abraham and Isaac went to go bring a sacrifice. And Isaac not once had participated in this and he says father here's the wood here is here is everything prepared but where is the lamb for the sacrifice and he says god will care for this lamb and they continued to travel on together and as there was a unique trust between the father and the son I wanted to remember one other event, and these kind of events are very many in Scripture. And when we were driving to our home group services, I listened to, sometimes we, when we go to our home group or cell group, sometimes we will uh, take someone and drive them because they're people of different age. And there were two sisters sitting in the back, and I heard them talking amongst themselves. And one had said, Oh, Sister Luba, you are so funny. And the other one answers, Oh, Sister Anna, and you are so, uh, you are so cheerful. And this is great, but the difference uh, in the age of both of them was about 80 years, but they both behaved themselves so friendly. And with this, I want to share this, that there is no age. When we go 
and we move on into the kingdom of heaven, there it doesn't matter how many years a person lived, 10 years or 110 years, what's important was what was in his heart. And when we read places of scripture, when we hear about Gideon, when we hear about Elisha, when we hear about other prophets who by faith had overcome kingdoms and had quenched the power of the fire, we are we are ignited and we want to imitate their faith and we want to do something that is alive, something that is meaningful on this earth. But Christ in this place of scripture, he had said, this is what is significant in heaven. That which is important among people, this means nothing. And I wanted to read this place of scripture, uh, the second book of Kings, chapter 5, verse 3. You all likely remember this young girl, this small girl, who the Syrians had taken to captivity. They had taken a very small girl, and scripture doesn't mention her name, but it says that she was very little, perhaps five, six, or seven years, but she was very little. little. Eight, nine, ten, she was already older, youthful, but it's written that there was, it was, she was a very little girl. Then she said to her mistress, she ended up in the house of Naaman, and she had served to the master. She had served the wife of Naaman. Then she said to her mistress, this little girl said, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. You know, when we begin to understand the depth of faith in these words, when we begin to understand how exactly the truth of, of God is evident here, and we think, how was she able to how was she able to comprehend this truth? Of course we might say, Well, she had parents. They instructed her. There is a man of God also present. We know that a leprosy is a symbol of sin. This person was a wonderful warrior. Naaman. Naaman was a wonderful warrior. Through him, God had given many victories. He was a deeply respected person in his, in his, among his people. But he was leprous, and he was deeply leprous. I will move ahead a little bit, and we will remember that when God had taken the leprosy off of Naaman the Syrian through the words of his prophet, and then he said, let this leprosy of Naaman be upon you and your descendants forever. He had proclaimed this judgment, and we know that the judgment of God on earth is spoken by those who are established by God. Then it is written that his servant, the servant of Elisha, came out all white from this leprosy. This same leprosy present means that Naaman, his leprosy was very strong, and he had suffered greatly from it. And this young, small girl, and you know, Jesus Christ had mentioned, he said, in the days of Elisha the prophet, there were many who were leprous in Israel, and not one of them was healed except for Naaman the Syrian. Jesus Christ said, will I come and find faith on this earth? Will I find this faith that is like the faith of a child? We should pay attention to where this came from, this, this faith of this young girl. And now from this child's faith, we will take a step back and talk about 
more at a as older level because when we grow older it becomes harder for us to have faith in God and we begin to make certain mistakes that Naaman had made and we will read on further 2nd Kings chapter 5 verses 9 through 10 then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house and Elisha sent a messenger to him saying Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Let's take a look at what kind of errors he had made. Firstly, Naaman, he had lots of riches. He had begun to understand that if this work needs to be done, it needs to have a price that needs to be paid. If we read further, he had lots of money, riches, gifts. He had 10 changes of clothing. This was a great this was a, a great riches of that time. He went with a letter that the king had written. He went and he said, "Well, how am I going to come? How am I going to be accepted?" He says, "If you write this letter, when I come into this kingdom so that I may be accepted so that I could be healed." This was his next mistake. And then he he didn't go into the correct address. He went to the king, and the king said, "This is horrible. He is going to make this war even longer." And this is how older people had thought. But the most important thing that I want to pay attention, and our pastor has explained to us, that he had to be washed seven times. The number seven. Naaman then finally arrived at the correct address. The number seven is an image of divine fullness which determines the conditions of cleansing that are put forth by God and not by man. The conditions of washing are the conditions of purification in the subject of our sanctification. Only through the fulfillment of these conditions, the Holy Spirit will be able to influence a person and renew the area of his thinking. Thanks to renewed thinking, a person will be able to cleanse the temple of his body for the Lord so that God can dwell in this temple. When a man comes to hear the word of God on his horses yoked to his chariot and not on the horses of instruction and faith yoked to the face of the representative power of God, the Holy Spirit will not be able to renew his youth like the renewal of the eagle's youth. Jeremiah 2, 2. And again, this youth is referring to the sanctification of a person. Thus says the Lord, I remember of the friendship of the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in the land not sown. The wilderness is an image of sanctification. And Naaman, at the suggestion of God, first put forth, and, and Naaman on his own, first put forth his own versions of cleansing or sanctification determined by the number six. He, he arrived to this uh, with from a older position. He had lots of complexes which older people oftentimes grow in themselves based on the number of years that get added to them. And the reason he put forth his version of sanctification is that he came to God in the face of Elisha on his own horses and on his own chariot. From this it follows that until a person is washed by instruction and faith, 
He could never be immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus, and therefore he could never leave his former way of life in order to be renewed in a new way of life. And whatever he may think, this is impossible. When a person comes to hear the word of God, not on his horse's harness to his chariot, but on the horses of instruction and faith, harnessed to the face of the representative power of God, and when he makes instruction and faith, and not on the power of his intellect, his proclamation, God will renew his youth as the youth of an eagle is renewed. You know, I will be very short, and I am concluding now. Always our brothers that preach, they express their condolences to the relatives, and this is wonderful. And today, analyzing and looking into my heart, I begin to understand that that which is happening, the death of our young brother, whom we loved dearly, this is not just a relative love, this is like a pain in the body, and I also endure this pain. And therefore, I would like to comfort myself, and this is a place of comfort, and I would like to comfort all of us, not just relatives, we endure this pain we carry it together with you but the lord is strong who will comfort us and we are close and we hear about this we see the sign of the times we are close to that time when god is going to resurrect these warriors of faith who had this pure faith of a child which god always valued and cherished and jesus christ he took this child he hugged him and take a look at him. He brought this child as an example. And so I thought, my I know Brother Daniel will speak next. Right now we are going to sing, but our heart must be prepared. Meaning we must have not our own horses and not our own thinking there, but who, like who is higher who out of us is higher who is less when we think in such a way then this is a dishonor that is expressed in a person whoever wants to be first let he be a servant of righteousness and so brother daniel will serve and we will try to with our hearts to be able to hear that word that instruction and that word that we will hear, and may the Lord bless us. Amen. The death of our young warrior, Davian, had caused a lot of questions, and the main question is why? And of course, I asked Pastor what he would like me to pass along to the church, what he would like to pass along to the church, to the question, why? And he gave a specific word with which we are going to share today in order to find out why. And my word is going to be comprised of two parts. The first part is the answer of our pastor to the question, why? And second, will be a letter of the family of Vitali and Irina, where they express gratitude to God, to the church, to saints, and of course to our apostle, Brother Arkadi, for those prayers 
and for that support that was that was offered and I will read this letter at the end but in the beginning we will answer the question why why with the young boy pastor said in Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29 it is written the secret things belong to the Lord our God but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of this law when God is silent in relations with us then his silence is an eloquent answer which either forms us into his image removing from us all elements of the flesh that are foreign to him or it prepares the soil of our heart for sowing in order to seal his covenant in our hearts by the Spirit of the Living God and here's one of the places of scripture which demonstrates the eloquent revelation of the new covenant which is contained in the mystery of the Lord's silence for those that fear him so how the Lord through his silence and in secret provides an answer to those who fear God Psalms chapter 25 verse 14 the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant it turns out that when those that fear God are asked God Lord well why the silence of God is comprised of the fact that the Lord speaks look at the covenant the eternal covenant of life look at life look at that which is found in Jesus Christ the mystery the secret of the Lord is with those who fear him and he will show them his covenant we will mention specific examples from the lives of Saints that feared God who did not receive what was promised in their life but who saw something great which was hidden from many eyes Hebrews chapter 11 verses 13 through 14 these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them from afar off were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth for those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland what did these Saints see what did these who people who fear God see what prompted them to say that they are strangers and pilgrims on this earth they saw those things that were hidden from the eyes of many others they saw the day of Christ this is that which the Lord Lord is able to reveal only when he is silent Lord why why did this happen to this person and the Lord can uncover his eternal covenant and show only the day of Christ from John chapter 7 verses 56 through 59 it's written your father Abraham rejoice to see my day says Jesus Christ Abraham your father rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad then the Jews said to him you are not yet 50 years old and have you seen Abraham Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you before Abraham was I am then they took up stones to throw at him but Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple going through the midst of them and so passed by so a person who receives a revelation about the day of Christ 
where the Lord uncovers the power of His eternal covenant, the, the Jews, they stumble over these people. They don't understand these people. They don't understand how can someone rejoice in this. When someone sees the day of Christ, he rejoices. And here, only those who fear God can rejoice together with these saints. A question, how can we then possess the day of Christ, or the full day, in which is contained an imperishable inheritance? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. Under the path of the just, we see a certain part of the path that has been passed during a certain period of time in which the righteous attain the full day, the day of Christ. The full day that is presented in the shining sun expresses itself in our ability to accept and grow the promise of the imperishable inheritance out of the seed of justification into the fruit of righteousness, calling the inexistent as existent. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. From this it follows that we are called to, in the resurrection of Christ, grow in ourselves a living hope that is comprised of an imperishable inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, kept for us in heaven, which we enter into through the power of God, through the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And the sign that we have achieved the full day or the day of Christ will be our ability to know and uncover in our heart the fullness of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ relating to the end times contained in the promise that relates to the door of our hope. And we should not forget that the full day in Scripture is defined not as a literal number of years that we have lived, but in reaching in our life, which may be very short, the imperishable inheritance in Christ Jesus that is contained in our heart in the promises of God and that is grown by us out of the seed of justification into the fruit of righteousness. So the full day the day of Christ, when the rising of the sun occurs, the shining sun, is not defined by years that have been lived for a long time, but it is defined by the presence of the imperishable life that has been accepted by us into our hearts. We will provide some examples of men of faith that had reached this full day, the day of Christ. They were filled with days, they were filled with life. To be filled with life means to have the full day, the day of Christ. And scripture says Job died in his old age, filled with the abundance of days. Furthermore, Abraham died at a good old age, old and filled with life. And David, of David it is said, David died at a good old age, filled with life, riches, and glory. And also Christ was clothed in an imperishable life, and the full day. All of these men of faith were united not by their age, 
but their ability to accept, look, and grow the promise of the imperishable inheritance out of the seed of justification into the fruit of righteousness, calling the inexistent as existent. And it, Abraham was around 175, David was 70, Christ was a little over 30 years of age. We see that the achievement and attainment of a full day is not tied to at all with the age of a person. It is not tied to it at all. Because the day of Christ, or the full day, is not the number of years lived when we, during the life, which might be very short, it is when we achieve imperishability, the promise of imperishability. And now let's look at those who thought that they were filled with life and had fullness, living a long life, but at the same time had no relation to the capability of being satisfied by goodness in the format of imperishable promise whose days were covered with darkness, with eternal darkness. So, those that had lived a long life without God. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verses 3 says, If a man begets a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with goodness, or indeed he has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better than he, for it comes in vanity and departs in darkness, and its name is covered with darkness. So here, this is talking about a person who had given birth to all the promises without burial. Here it says, who cares that a person gave birth to a hundred children and he had no burial? And under the word burial for a Christian, this means to unite with the Lord Jesus in his death. Because all of the imperishable promises which we have read about, we receive in his resurrection. He has given birth to us through what? through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for what? In order to inherit an imperishable inheritance, He has given birth to us through resurrection? Well, then how can we be born for resurrection? We can achieve resurrection through death, because resurrection is not life. Resurrection is the result of death. Life. Life is not always resurrection. Resurrection is always life. Life, which did not become resurrection will be lost. Resurrection that became life will never be lost. Here it is talking about a person. He gave birth to so many promises, so many children, but are not, not in burial. He was not immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus, nor was he united with him in his resurrections. He took the promises. He thanked for them, but this was not a product of resurrection. This was just the desire of the flesh. He liked these promises they're not bad. It's not bad that the power of life be reigned in our bodies. It's not bad to be raptured. It's not bad to to escape the trial of tribulation. It's not bad. But this thing that is not bad is taken only in resurrection. Only in resurrection can it be achieved. Let's look at the reasons that get in the way of someone achieving a full day. Psalms chapter 90 verses 11 through 12. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow. 
for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we may gain before we go into eternity so that we can gain this full day, the day of Christ. So that's that this unblemished joy can become the eternal atmosphere for our heart. And these words were taken from the prayer of Moses, who was a servant of God. And let's take a look at certain reasons why we finish our years like a sigh and the days of our lives are 70 years. And someone that has lived a long religious life for God, he will never live even one day. A stillborn who did not even see the light is a lot happier than this person. Because a stillborn, if there was a spirit, he goes to the Lord. But a person who was not able to, in the silence of God, to receive his covenant, the day of Christ, then scripture says that the days, his days will be terrifying and his end will be terrifying and a stillborn is even better than him. And so the first reason, the first reason why we finish our years like a sigh and the days of our lives are 70 years and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, is comprised of the fact that our transgressions or iniquities are placed before God and what was mystery before the light of his face. And these transgressions are presented in dead works and idols. Now, I please allow me to read all of these idols which Pastor had written here. So practically, this message, he today found it necessary to show us these idols, which whose calling it is to limit the number of our days. And these are these idols, these are these dead works. Our idols and dead works is our right to an independent opinion. When our independent opinions resist that which God does in His Church, it is also our people in the face of our nationality. This might also be our idol, our father's house, our marriage partner, our children. These also can be our idols. Desires of the flesh that are not sinful in our opinion and hobbies which go against God and with service to God. Gifts of the Holy Spirit which we prefer over the giver. This might also be an idol. The anointing of the Lord which we prefer over the anointer. This is also an idol. Our denomination or our confession, Baptists, Charismatics, Catholics, Pentecostals, denominations, this also might be our idol. Good works that come from the flesh, this also might be our idol. Evangelism, replacing the commandment to be light and salt in our family, at our jobs, and in our country, this also is an idol. Why do people run to Mexico, to Africa? Because no one knows them there. They can't evangelize at home because at home they drink. Uh, the father yells. The father hits the mother. What kind of evangelist can he be? He will go to Mexico. He will smile. He will hug everyone there. He will talk about holiness there because no one knows about him there. And this also is the worship of idols. 
material prosperity that has raised the status of spirituality. This also is an idol. Belief in all sorts of omens. This is also an idol. Belief in prophecies that distort the truth of scripture. This also is an idol. Worship of cultural and national values. This also is an idol. Worship of icons, objects, and relics. This also is an idol. Personal fame or personal fame. Uh, this also is an idol. Voluptuousness, a substitute for the love of God, which today is spoken about so freely. And when pastors preach about this, all kinds of elders come to listen. What is new? What is something new that their pastor is going to say about? And this is a shame for the church. Instead of preaching about the days of Christ, how to find the fullness of day. Today, pastors put to shame the name of Christ and they talk about voluptuousness. The presence in the heart of even one of the existing list of idols is evidence that our heart has not yet been cleansed of dead works and consequently the soul of our heart will not be suitable for receiving the seed of an imperishable inheritance and this kind of a person will never never be able to reach the full day of christ the next reason that hinders the attainment of the full day the day of christ is the unwillingness to heed the words of a person who is vested with the authority of the fatherhood of God. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth, and put perverse lips far away from you. So we need to uh, heed to the words of the Father. Here is a beautiful dialogue between a son and a father, and the father wants the son to have life. He says, accept my words from me because they are going to be life to you and keep them in your heart out of which will flow the sources of life because the day of Christ, the full day, it comes from the heart and it is the component of our spirit, our heart. The next reason that prevents the attainment of the full day, the day of Christ, follows in its attitude towards people born of God. First John chapter 5, verses 1-5 through 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves Him who begot also loves Him who is begot of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God. Love towards one another is evident through our love to the commandments of the Lord when we observe the commandments of God. And this is a very important component that does not allow people to, to achieve the day of Christ and to achieve the fullness of Christ. This is a relationship towards saints in the church. Scripture says that we know that we have gone from death to life. Why? Because we love the brethren. 
He who loves the brother has already gone from death to life, and whoever does not love the brother is found in death. Therefore, this is a very important component so that we are able to demonstrate love towards our brothers, love towards saints. We are inclined to show love oftentimes to those that are lawless because in the number of these lawless are our friends, our relatives. The scripture says it's necessary to love the brothers of Christ, to love saints, to show this love toward them. The next reason that hinders the attainment of the full day expresses itself in the incorrect acceptance of God's work of redemption, which He did in the redemptive blood of Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will He be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know Him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge His people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And when this redemption is neglected, when people don't consider the blood of the covenant as hallowed or the Holy Spirit they insult, a little above that it says, Let us not forsake our assembly as is the manner of some. It turns out that the manner to leave our assembly is one of the forms of neglect of trampling the Son of God underfoot and the Holy Spirit, insulting the Holy Spirit, simply our correct relationship to our service or our church. The next reason that hinders the attainment of the full day, the day of Christ, expresses itself by the nature of the confession of our mouths. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. From these words we understand that in order to confess with our mouth and to believe with our hearts, it's necessary for our lips and our heart to be as one team. And my heart and my lips will be on one team when we will be able to accept the Word of God as a son. My son, heed to my words, accept my word. If we are unable to accept the Word as sons, then our lips are not going to be as one team together with our heart. Of course, we may say beautiful phrases that we have learned. We will be able to sing poems. Some people pray, but they just say poems out loud. Why? Because their lips are not as one team with their heart. We must proclaim only those words that have become the contents of our heart. And they may become the contents of our heart when we accept these words, acknowledging that I am a son and I have a father who is able to pass along these words to me, and that this person, it's not just as they say, this is our leader, this is the leader of our church. No, this is not a leader or a general. We are a church, we're not a mafia. And in the church, there are no brotherly councils. There are no leaders or generals. There is none of this. Confederations. 
There must be a person who represents the fatherhood of God, a person who is able to pass along words to us, which I will accept and which I will then proclaim. And then my lips are going to be on one team together with my heart. And if we don't have this, and if we achieve, and if we don't have any of this, and we have attained the fullness of day, and what happens when we die? And now let's turn our attention to what God says about death, or what death was for our young warrior here, to somebody who waited for this day of Christ and this imperishability. And all of this will be in relation to the people of God, to those who fear Him. How death is viewed for them. Death, in relation to God's people, is firstly a separation from sin. And we know that to be separated from sin, it is going to be too late after a person dies. We can be separated from sin while we live in the body. We can be rid of resentment, be rid of all kinds of envy, all kinds of suspicion, all kinds of secret sins or unsecret sins or legalized sins because that which was 30, 50 years ago, well, I was ashamed by our fathers in the church. Today, their children, which today stand in authority, they legalize. But where was the scene before that Pentecostals and Baptists drink alcohol? Look at the fathers and grandfathers. For this, people were excommunicated from the church. Today, their children have legalized it. Why? Death is separation from sin. And this death must reveal itself before we close our eyes and we are buried. Also, death is a state in relation to sin. So, we have a certain desire, right, to do, fla to do sin. Our thoughts aren't perfect, our actions aren't perfect, our words aren't perfect, but our spirit that is born of God, it is, it, it is in the likeness of God. And his scripture here says we need to have a correct relation to sin, which means to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, and to call the inexistent power of life and resurrection as existent. Third, death is the process and manifestation of triumph over the power of death. Fourth, death is the key to unlocking the life of Jesus in our body. Fifth, death for saints is not a defeat, but a victory. This is also their crowning or coronation with the crown of life. Death for warriors of prayer and God's chosen remnant is not the loss of life, but its acquisition. Death of His saints is the path and is precious in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord, He is mourning together with us. He is mourning together with us. When uh, Stephen was stoned, he said, I see Christ who is standing, who is standing. He is sitting at the throne of the Father, but Stephen says, He stood. Would you want, when you die, for the Yahweh to stand? or for him to lower his eyes sorrowfully and to declare his decree, de the decree of eternal condemnation. The death of saints is precious in the eyes of the Lord. Eighth, in the death of saints, 
in their decaying dust, resurrection is always preserved. The resurrection of Christ is preserved. And as Pastor says, that place where saints are buried, there angels are present. Because in this body, the element of life is preserved. And there, where there is the element of life, there is always going to be the angel of God that's standing there and that is protecting that which which is comprised in God. That's why in burial and cemeteries where holy children are buried, there truly are angels. Others, that's a big question. Ninth, the death of saints is seen as part of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. Tenth, death is a transfer of existing capital from the earthly dimension to the heavenly one. Eleventh, death is the dawn of a new eternal day in which the days of mourning will end. So the Lord wipes away the tear of, from the eyes of saints. There will no longer be tears. We have them because death is still present here. It is present in our body. But praise be to God that the triumph of resurrection is already in our spirit, that we have renewed our thinking. We have renewed our thinking with the spirit of our mind and we have placed the death of Christ there in resurrection and now we wait for the adoption of our bodies so that the triumph of life can fully clothe our body and twelfth death expresses itself in the ability to boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus these are the components of only those saints that have been able during their life able to have the full day, the day of Christ, or begin to have the those that have imperishability. When God gives imperishability, He gives it through His silence. He gives it in, his, in, in death, only as an element of resurrection. And if He gives us this promise as resurrection, Jesus said on the cross when He died, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you quiet? And He knew, He knew that this silence was an eloquent answer. Because in this silence, in death, He gave Him something eternal. He made His Son and He led Him into the eternal day. He made Him the day of Christ. And this was the greatest illustration of Golgotha. How God had modulated from the Son of God who was beaten, how He had shown the day of Christ, which we became begin to have and this was the message that Apostle Arkady had passed on and now allow me to read the letter that we have been sent by our saints this is from the family of Vitaly and Irina Onyshenko this is uh, a message of thanksgiving from them and I will read it they say we are very grateful for the privilege and honor to be in this holy place we want to thank the saints and especially Pastor Arkady for the prayer and support as we endured this path that lasted one year and seven months. For us, physically, this was a difficult time. But the presence of God through the Word of God, with which we were comforted by our pastor in the prayer of all saints, became for us a great comfort. 
looking back at the last year and seven months of illness and our walk on this path with our son, Davian, this was the best time of our life which drew us closer to God and one another more than ever. His manner of life was completely changed in such a way that being near him, there was a want to separate ourselves more and more, more and more from vain works and to dedicate ourselves more to God. He totally lost interest in all of the unnecessary things in this life. He greatly valued fellowship. He constantly asked questions about heaven and his goal was to live a holy life every day. With these, he could forgive and asked for forgiveness and always saw the best in his neighbors and he told them of this. We fought with him every day for life and banished death. Often, we would hear him when he would say, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Meaning, again, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. When we asked him, what are you saying, son? He said, the thought of death came to me again, and I banished it. We are grateful to God for a pastor, our loving father, who is an example for us of how to be a warrior of faith, and how to fight until the end and to stand in the Word. He stood for us and with us till the end. Our heart is comforted and we wait for the meeting that will soon take place. May the name of God be blessed in His great wisdom. This is the, the message the message of our saints, Brother Vitalik and Irina and his family, a message of thanksgiving to our pastor, to the church, to God. And so we are going to have a short prayer and we conclude, conclude our service that you all may come up and express your love and your condolences to our saints. Let us bow our heads and bend our knees and we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place upon which today we can declare the triumph of life and resurrection. We pray to you, Lord, that upon this place, death be swallowed up and be overcome by the life of Christ. We thank you for the might of your word and for the power of the Holy Spirit who dwells in this place, because upon this place your names are engraved. Upon this dwells the fear of God. And we, Lord, the, those who fear you, thank you. We thank you that you today in your silence, that you today uncover your great mystery of your eternal covenant. And we thank you for this eternal covenant. We thank you for the full day, for the day of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that today we begin to have this full day. We thank you for that word and for the Holy Spirit, for the church and for your divine order. We thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of brotherly love which dwells upon this place. 
and which has allowed us to go from the state of death to the state of eternal life. And we ask you, Lord, that today, upon this place, once again, the triumph of life be affirmed over death. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in the bodies of saints, and may with the noise the old man be cast out from their bodies. May your name be blessed and magnified, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And before we conclude with our manifestation, which we conclude with all of our services, I want to remind us that tomorrow we will bury our young warrior. This is at 2.30. This is that place that we previously had services at New Hope. There we have a cemetery, and there many of our saints have been buried before. And there is also going to be buried our young holy warrior, and therefore at 2.30. And with this, we will conclude with our manifestation. After this, you may come up and greet our saints, express your love, your care for them. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and and forever. Amen.